All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, another episode of the Claw and the King. Um, if you if you haven't noticed already, if you're watching on the YouTube, we are virtual today. Um, yeah. Would you like to explain the uh, the reasoning for that, Zoops? Well, I've decided to broaden our views. You know, I, we need to promote this podcast worldwide. So I've gone to every city in the world to speak about our podcast like a gospel, you know, so we can just give the Lord's work out, you know, and we are the Lord's work. Um, in case that I hope that doesn't offend any religious groups, but essentially we are. Um, but no, I've just been on a quick holiday to the UK. Um, so yeah, this is why I've dialed in from satellite to get this podcast done. Um, so yeah, I'm hope you'll enjoy. We've got a lot to talk about, especially with the uh, things that are not going my way exactly. Um, uh, this is maybe um, the whole state of New South Wales way, but yeah, yeah we, but we, the, we the amount probably... of like losing you have to deal with as a fan, it's quite, it's almost unbelievable. I think you're coming around to it. I think I, I've made this comment for the past, but it is, it is mind blowing, really. I mean, it is. I've never seen anything like it. I, I can't remember the last win. I can't. It, I mean, the Roosters, obviously, but like, geez, they suck I mean, now. Well. But even that, it's just like everything just sucks right now. I just can't support a team because I feel like like I'm trying to jinx myself out of losing. Like I'm trying to think, oh, in my head, I've got to act a certain way to avoid the jinx. It just doesn't work, you know. So yeah, it's not it's not good form for no, me. No, you've but... you've obviously done something to hurt the uh, the Lord's feelings, and uh, now I guess you're you're being made to repent. I guess so. I guess so. So do you reckon we start at the uh, the state of origin level or the England level? Yeah, we can start at the state of origin. Um, so obviously okay. game two was not a good performance by New South Wales. They are. Um, did you watch the game? I did. I you was did. in the middle of a, I was in the car journey, actually. I was going down from north to south and I was in a car and I had to get my own Wi-Fi like buy an own Wi-Fi. I mean, we were going to get one anyway, but we had to get our own Wi-Fi to, you know, be able to watch this shit game. And I'm trying to find every illegal stream I can to be able to watch it. Turns out it didn't really matter. Uh, no, you probably we got absolutely pumped. Yeah. You're probably uh, better off not watching. Pumped. Yeah. Um, um, well, the Penrith boys blew it again. I think that should be the title of the podcast. If I'm honest, um, the Penrith boys, yeah, well, Fittler... I can't be blamed on them. Well, Fittler was a Penrith player. Okay, if you're referring to the coaches... Greg then... Alexander was a Penrith player. Half your team is Penrith players. I mean, I don't know what else is to blame here. Sure, well, it's just Penrith. It's just... um, It's very sad, to be honest, because, I mean, obviously the, the entire thing is Freddie's fault. He's the coach. Um, He's just made bad decision after bad decision for, for years on end now. And uh, it's it kind of feels to me that we've just lost our chance as a state to have a good dynasty sort of uh, era. Because when I look at the two teams now, Queensland have better players in literally every single position except halfback when Cleary's healthy. Like every other position, yeah. they just have better players. So um, we I'm had... A... Yeah. <laughs> I think in centers, we're a lot better. I think Latrell playing no, centers. We, we can't even count. Is... We can't count Latrell and Turbo. They're just null and void at this point. Yeah, they're just injured. Um, yeah, watch him play for the Rabbitohs in a week's time. Lovely. 
Um, um, but, yeah, but yeah, it's just... I think everyone's come around on Freddie um, needing the sack at this point. I think that the state's just fed up with him. I mean, he's, he's got a, a barefoot wearing, like a grass walking meditation sort of philosophy. And I think it just induces a beta male sort of energy. And um, this this is probably... You can't be saying that. You can't what? be using that word in 2023. Why? Beta male. Because you if can't you be say beta, the word beta you male... Can't be, you, you can't be a, a footy player male. if you're a... If, I am a beta male. <laughs> you can't be a footy player and be a beta male. I'm not a footy player. Yeah. Um, and so I think just we need to change. And everyone's like, oh, who are you going to bring in? Who are you going to bring in? I think... Um, I mean, I've, I've heard someone say Mick Ennis. I don't mind that. I'd love to see someone like Anthony Minicello go in because he just seems like kind of really like a smart dude. He's trying to do a like for like with yeah. Billy Slater. Yeah, he just seems like similar to Billy Slater. Back. Yeah. So um, I would like to see him get a go. I don't know. I I think we need to wane away from the player, former player coach sort of mantra. And I guess I'm a bit scarred from it from football um, that – you know, former good former players and never good managers. And I think it's not always the case in the NRL. There are obviously exceptions with guys like, you know, Mal Meninga and stuff. Um, but, you know, you look at the great ones, Craig Bellamy, Trent Wait. Robinson, uh, Wayne Bennett. Did they ever play rugby league? Who, who the yeah, fuck knows? Um, yeah, to what <laughs> level? Um, like pretty good I level. Think- well, okay. Well, they weren't superstars. Okay, we'll put it that way. You can play rugby league, but you, they weren't superstars. And I think you need a coach that's just purely a coach and not going to get hired based on what he did as a player because I don't think the correlation is that good um, or is that strong, to be honest. So the, the name, what's the... There's the English guy that's being tossed around. The... Oh, he was the coach in, in in a super in the super league. I forgot his name, but he was being tossed around, and I didn't mind that option. Um, I just need a coach. Obviously, Des Hasler would have been my number one if he was available. Um, because obviously the Titans just got him. Well, I I think he's better than you know other suggestions, and I think he's a really talented coach. Um, he's taken many good, well, not even good teams, solid teams to success. Um, you know, you look at the Manly. He did with, with Manly with Turbo constantly being injured. I, I don't know. I I rate him as a coach, and I think he would coach laps around Brad Fittler anyway. So we just need a competent head coach. Well, yeah, um, I mean, literally anyone could do that. He's, I mean, I don't know why everyone, not everyone, but some people are like under the impression that Brad Fittler is a good coach. I mean, his his tenure at the Roosters was disastrous. Um, which yeah. is hard to do at a club like the Roosters. It's pretty easy to be good when you're coaching the Roosters. Um, yeah. And then obviously he's now three and three in series where he should be. Five and one would be acceptable. Um, six and no preferable, but anything less than that's fucking shambolic. So it's just, and now everyone's talking about for game three, obviously, because the series is already over. Do you uh, try and win game three and pick like the older statesman or do you just go fuck it and pick, a bunch of young guys and hope that they can come through in the, in the coming years. Um, I, I wouldn't go complete young guys. I would definitely pick more fringe players. So players, so that maybe, no players that yes. are maybe a bit younger. <laughs> no, Dylan Edwards isn't young. 
okay okay um maybe players that are a bit younger that you know that weren't you know maybe touted as being origin players um they don't have to be you know 18 19 i'm not saying pick you know the 18 19 year olds but i'm saying pick you know the 23 24 25 year olds that are fringe players and put them in that arena see how well they do um and see if they can sort of sustain it and play a good game and they'll get an opportunity next year hopefully so i think that's what you need to do you need to be able to sort of pick you know the squad because that's probably new south wales biggest problem over the past couple of years in terms of the squad the fringe players have been rotating in and out i mean we have not had the same sort of depth for the entirety i mean queensland have the exact same sort of six to eight group of you know, fringe players that they pick. Um, Christian Welch, sometimes in, sometimes isn't. Uh, Fafidis, sometimes in, sometimes isn't. You know, those players, they, they pick. I mean, they might drop, you know, one of them one year and then pick the other guy the next. But they have a sort of a group that they feel confident with um, and they can rotate in and out of that group. New South Wales don't have that. I mean, with Tavita Pangai in that group at the start of the year, I highly doubt no. it. Um <laughs> And I, I fucking hope he wasn't. I mean, Jesus. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I think we need to give, you know, those fringe players a chance. And look, I wouldn't be against dropping all of the players because, I mean, it sends a message. <laughs> all um, of them. Well, yeah, it sends what? a message. I I think it sends a message. You've got to be able to send a message. You can't just drop your entire team. Mm. Well, you I mean, drop- I would. You can drop Tedesco, you can drop Moses, you can drop Luai, you can... Oh, yeah, you can drop Luai, I can tell you that for fucking... <laughs> I'd rather... I'd rather have fucking anyone in the number six than Jerome Luai. That was one of the historically worst performances I've ever seen in my life. And I was watching was... on a shitty, rainy, like, illegal stream, you know, probably broadcasted from Bangkok. I mean, it was dreadful. I mean, how that guy got picked. Well, oh, well, we dragged Samoa to a World Cup final. Like, shut up. He sucks. <laughs> he was only picked in the first place because Cleary was his best mate. And Cleary was like, yeah, bring my best mate in, yeah. It's like, All right, who, get like, who do you pick for game three then? Because there's no other sixes, really. Burton. Like, unless you go Hines. Or, okay, you want Burton. I'd rather... I'd, ten times. rather. I'd rather have fucking... Who would I, I'd rather have? Who was the kid that debuted for the Roosters last week at six? I forgot. I didn't even know his name. I don't know. He would have been. I would rather have him in there. Honestly, I would have rather have just anyone. I mean, I'm trying to think of Corey Norman. The week, the week got a dog. Corey Norman's in Queensland. Corey Norman. Yeah, I know. You know, if Gareth David Salmon, he's been like playing Gareth good. Oh, Mitch Pierce, he's in the Super League right now. I'd pick Mitch Pierce. Honestly, there are. Mm-hmm. So many different options I would take over yeah. Jerome Luai. Well, um, I think in the in the I mean, unless Cookie retains his position in the centres because he was fucking amazing there. Um, there'll be two new, well, not maybe two new, but uh, Campbell Graham will probably get a chance there because Turbo yeah. and Latrell have uh, they they're obviously out for game three as well. So Campbell Graham will probably finally get his shot. We'll see if he can actually play in Origin. Well, um, yeah, he should probably get a shot at game one. Um. No, well, he was injured. Probably won't get a shot till game three, which is not great. Um, yeah, well, I think we should talk about Brad's mistakes um, a bit more because game the three game or with... for his tenure. 
I think for that game specifically, obviously everybody knows about his tenure and how shocking losing three out of four series to the worst Queensland side that is in probably 20 years is embarrassing. I mean, I know this team is good, but it's still nowhere near the levels of the Kronk, you know, the Kronk, Slater, uh, Cam Smith, you know, J- JT sort of era. Nowhere near that. Um. So, yeah, I, I think the, you, everyone knows you can sort of discuss the mistakes that he's made. But I think we need to sort of delve into the mistakes within the game because Cook at center in the third minute is an embarrassing decision. I know Cam, oh, Camel Graham's got a, you know, a groin injury. Cameron We're worried Murray. about his, yeah, Cam Murray's got a, a, a groin injury. We're worried about if he can, you know, move around. It's like, would you, if he fucking snaps his groin in half, I couldn't get, care less. All right. This is game of state of origin game two. This, this is a must win. You need to win it. And you're just chucking a five foot two goblin out there at center to match, you know, Xavier Coates' jumping a bit. That was the first try. They jump, it cooks in no man's land. Coates jumps over. Um, it gets an unlucky deflection, to be fair. And they score a try and a dodgy fucking planting. Um, yeah, well, the first two tries were fucked, but. Well, yeah, the first two tries were not tries. But. I mean, you can't lose 32 to 6 and then blame the first two tries. I mean, look, I guess the first two tries probably the most important out of those tries. And yeah, we didn't get the rub of the green in that in terms of that. But I mean, you can't really blame those two mistakes on the losses, but basically down to Filler. Um, what was another mistake in the game? I mean, well, he, he decided to leave Cameron Murray on the Cameron... bench until uh, there was 10 minutes left in the game, basically, which is like yeah. fucking stupid. Um, if you're going to pick him, play him. Like, who gives a fuck what happens to his groin? If, if you're worried about yeah, it, I mean, pick someone else. Well, yeah, Freddie, you're not there next year to fucking coach him. So it doesn't matter how, what he does to his groin, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Isaiah Yo, God almighty, get that guy off the field for Murray. How the fuck Murray didn't come on for Yo in the 10th minute is beyond me. That guy sucks. I've never seen him put up a, a half-season performance. What? He plays well in fucking Penrith Park. I, when was the last time I saw Isaiah play well for New South Wales? Uh, he's been very good. His ball playing is underrated. He he his runs are underrated. He's underrated. Well. He gets he, he finds can't. his front a lot. He's a quick play of the ball. He's just he not like get on his fucking belly a lot. Good good on the guy. I mean, it's just remarkable. You saw Cam Murray the first thirty seconds he came on. We created more opportunities. With him in the within the with him in the middle, I, oh, I don't know. I think it was an egregious decision to keep yo put yo fucking front row if you're gonna if he gets on his belly well, but you know you gotta play Cameron Murray in thirteen because of his ball playing ability and his speed around the ruck. Yo moves like a fucking tractor. You need a nimble guy that can just get in there and control the ruck. Um, and I don't yeah, think you yo don't appreciate it. If Yo played for I, Queensland, I he'd, be, he'd be top tier. Everyone would love him if he played for Queensland. Would he? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean... Lindsay He's basically Collins carrying it, but, like, better. Well, Lindsay Collins is the greatest fucking prop centre of all time, or prop of all time, um, which is great for us, obviously, as a Roosters fan. But, I mean, not great for if I'm a you know New South Welsh fan, a uh, New South Wales fan. Um, but, yeah, that's the Cam Murray mistake was clear. And, obviously, I mean, and obviously the... 
the halves picking before the game was, I think, the most egregious. I, I think I might have said it on the podcast. I, th- I thought it was going to be Luai and Moses in the in the halves, which because yeah, it was. of what Brad was thinking. Yeah, well, I, I thought it would happen, and it did, and it was the worst case scenario for me. Um, I just thought it was an egregious decision to well, keep to keep Luai, and then Moses. Look, Moses. To be honest, I th- I think he was fourth on the list. In if clearly he was healthy, I think he's fourth. Um, or third or fourth. It he's nowhere near Adam Reynolds in my opinion, nowhere near. And I think it showed clearly. And I look, he had a solid game. It was nowhere near his fault that we lost. But if you suck creatively, if you suck at, at it creatively, you've got to look at your halves. And obviously, Luai is clearly at fault. But other than a couple grubber kicks and a couple nice, ding, you know, kicks here and there, was Moses really an impact on the on the game? No. So, and the amount of good ball we had as well, the amount of unbelievable ball we had in that, especially in the first half, um, Queensland had two basically fluke tries when they got up the field once and they threw a forward pass or they knocked the ball on, and. The rest of the half, it was just we were in their ten meter line in in their red zone. It was just ridiculous how but, we we didn't win the game or get points in that first half. Absolutely ridiculous. But a lot of the a lot of the errors being made by New South Wales were when they were going left. Obviously, Damien Cook was in the centres, and he was fucking it up. But you, you can't really blame him. Like there was a couple of tip ons he threw out. He could never mm. link up with Fox properly. Um, so like I know you're saying it looks like Luai had a terrible game, but it. He wasn't helped by the um what was going on outside him, obviously. Um, so I would have well, gone and... by the fact that he's shit as well. I, yeah, I think but, but I would have gone immediately. Crichton and Toto go to the left. Hail Mary, Penrith, Penrith left edge. Let's see if he can do anything. Um, but he he stuck Cook out there. Who he, you can't blame Cook. He was fucking told to do an impossible job, and he's has zero skill set for that job. So what do you expect? Um, another, I guess, error he made is, as we touched on already, not starting Cameron Murray. He didn't start Liam Martin either. Like, to leave both of them on the bench again is just, it's criminal. It's um, it's unbelievable, really. I mean, Frizzell, he just doesn't have it at origin level anymore. He's too old. He's too stiff. He's uh, he's like a board, as Conor McGregor said. He'd, he'd snap him in half. Um, Hudson Young, again, he's not an origin quality player, let's be honest. Uh, for Feeder and Nanai, yeah. they just fucking destroy those two. It was, it was, it was a no contest, really. So, I don't know. It's just, it was really just dumbfounding because we've never been beat that badly in the past few years. We've lost, obviously, but it's been close at least. But this was just demoralizing. And like, Queens, yeah. you felt like Queensland could play better. Like, Munster didn't have a great game. Um, it's just, I don't know. They've just got it. They've just got it. And we don't. So, oh, I ha- I hate hearing that as well. This... Oh, Queensland just gets out of origin. It's just like shut up. Well, Billy Slater gets yeah. it. That's for sure. Well, yeah, but I mean, I'm sure fucking Paul Gallen gets out of origin. Should he be the head? I coach? would not be I mad mean... if Paul Gallen was the coach. Yes, you would. No, I wouldn't. He has about two brain cells that he's rubbing together at the moment. I mean, the guy would probably pick. Who would he, he would pick? make sure Reese Walsh gets put on his arms. Oh, no, you would like I him. No, you would like him because he picked fucking Matt Moylan in the number six. That's why. I get it now. Well, you'd, you'd you think you think you think Moyes is worse than Luai? 
No, I don't. <laughs> but I mean, still, Moyland should not be picked for state of origin. Um, yeah, it's just it's dreadful at the moment. The uh, the sort of just the atmosphere around New South Wales state of origin. I think we we're just getting it. It's like back in the old days again. You know, we had a good couple of years where we were like smashing Queensland and it was all good and everything was happy with the world. Everything was right. And it just, now it's just taking me back to my childhood when we're, you know, on camp and everyone puts on the state, you know, the camp leaders put on the state of origin and it's in a hall full of school kids and we're watching our team get fucking smashed. And it's just embarrassing. And it's just taking me back to, you know, obviously we have a mate that's in Queensland and who and also is a Queenslander. It, I mean, I can't imagine. He's probably texting you the most egregious things in the world. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's just being able to, not being able to, you know, have that, um, you know, be able to discuss rugby league because you're not a Queenslander and you don't get rugby league. It's just, I don't know. It, it's very demoralizing yeah. for New South Wales. And we are, we are now 14 and four in the last 18 series, which is a crazy number that the, the Queensland have won that much. Obviously 11 of those were, were through the dynasty there, but still 14 and four, that, that is like in our lifetime, we've barely seen New South Wales win. Um, mm. So, and it's just, I don't know. It's if, if it was the other way around 14, four, like origin as a concept could be dead, but because New South Wales is just so, big and like we're always a favorite somehow even though we lose every year yeah. um it just still fuels it every year and i yeah. don't know we'll, we'll see what happens well, that's next what year. i'd say to, that's what i'd say to all those constant say you know queensland spirit well try and have fucking spirit losing 11 in a row and then still tr- wanting your you know your team to win and still supporting your team then i'd see who's fucking he's got the spirit then i doubt all those queenslanders would flop would just lose they just wouldn't even support rugby league they'd go to afl or something i new south wales get such a bad rap in terms of their supporters during origin time and i think that they you know they just they don't get it you know they're not hardcore rugby league fans but i mean we we've watched our team growing up lose and lose and lose and lose and i think to be able to still support them and still be behind the team every year you know, no matter who's the coach or who's playing, I think it shows how good of fans we are um, and how, you know, supportive we are of our team. So, yeah, I, I would say that to all those Queenslanders out there um, that yeah, think that cunts. we're, you know, shitty the, fans. Yeah. New South Wales is the better state. There's no two ways about it. Um, well, they know that. That's why they're clinging yeah. on to this rugby league thing. <laughs> you know, they're clinging on to, you know, oh, well, we got a better rugby, we got a better, you know, state of origin team it's like well, you don't have anything else so like you don't have you. teeth but um yeah yeah i mean freddie freddie fittler is now an enemy of the state officially so i think i'm at the point where i'm just supporting queensland every single game until he's fired because no you can't no, do that i need him That's... to be fired for my sanity no this is no you this is look if he's the coach if he's the coach next year I, i'm dead serious no, no, this is you being a bad fan again. You, you've got to support your team no matter I can't. who's in charge. No, you've got to. You're, you're a bad fan again. You've got to, no matter who's in charge. I can't do it when, when whoever's running my team is just so incompetent. I need... Look, I get it. I'm a Man United fan. I have had the worst owners 
and the worst coaches over the past couple of years. I get it. I've at times thought, well, be nice if they got fired. But after, before every game, you support your team. You hope they win. Um, and I think that's what you've got to do if you're a New South Welshman. Um, no matter if bad, Brad is probably going to keep the job. I mean, let's be real. Um, at least for a, a, another year. Um, all we got to do is support the team, you know. I think also mm-hmm. the fact that there isn't many great replacements at the moment doesn't help our cause, um, which isn't great. But, but like, you know. You can find a replacement. Like, n- no one was saying Billy Slade is like an ideal replacement. He had zero coaching experience before he got the job. Yeah. So, and now he's like touted as the next Craig Bellamy pretty much. So, you know, all we have to do well, is that's, find Well, that's it. another good thing. Craig Bellamy is going to retire in a year or two and Billy's going to, you know, go off to Melbourne um, and be their head coach probably. So that's that's another good thing to look forward to. They'll have to get some, uh, you know, hopefully they get Kevin Walters back. Because, I mean, him losing to Tyson. Yeah, he's the only bad coach they've ever had. And and, um, Brisbane's doing well in spite of Kevin Walters because he, I don't care how well they do. He's lost to the Titans today and uh, the Titans just sacked their coach. So... How, how well are they doing? Um, but yeah, I think, look, at the end of the day, you win some, you lose some. As a New South Wales fan, I'm used to losing. It's not the end of the world. Um, obviously, it sucked at the moment. And I hate playing a game three when you've lost the first two. It sucks. But we still got to, I think, it, there's no way we can pick, you know, a similar team. I think if we pick players that are fringe players and you can pick some younger players as well, give them the opportunity, then there's a game to look forward to. But if you pick the same team and they win, who gives a fuck? We still lost the series, you know? Mm. Maybe Just we should like... A uh, team. Yeah, maybe we should uh, uh, pitch that we change it to the women's structure where it's an aggregate score and then we can try and win by 50 and then hopefully we win on aggregate. Yeah, but they've got two games, so yeah. <laughs> that's only if one team's won each game. So it doesn't really work like that. Yeah, but we can just do a three three game aggregate. Three game aggregate. Okay, so what? Well, they beat us by twenty six in this game. They beat us by what? What did they beat us by in the first game? Was it I don't know, like ten maybe? Oh, it would have been less than that. Oh, maybe eight. Maybe 10? eight. I don't know. But yeah, if we win fifty now, yeah, yeah. But I doubt that's going to happen. Um, I really do, but uh, yeah, I think uh, it's an interesting prospect. Um, yes, okay, well, we can move on from that, shifting to a, another sport. Um, the uh, Ashes are going on right now, the first test is obviously yeah. concluded. Um, obviously, you're in England at the moment where they are happening. Is there what's what's the vibe over there? Are people sort of into it on the streets because it feels like pretty big back. I've been staying up every night to watch it, which is pretty crazy. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm fully invested right now. Well, yeah, it's it's a great um, spectacle over here as well. Um, I was actually in Manchester um, when it was going on, uh, when the first test was going on, and it wasn't that great of an atmosphere because up north, if you didn't know, down south you get the cricket fans and the cricket players. Up north, you get the football fans and the football players. So it isn't really that great of an atmosphere in up north, but it was still very nice. Um, and it was good to see, you know, a lot of support. I think it was in Birmingham, the first um, test. So it was relatively close to where I was. 
Um, but yeah, it was in terms of the test, it was fantastic. Um, even though we lost, um, and England made a couple of mistakes here and there, but you know that's what Test cricket should be. Um, comes down to the last day, you know, high drama, and that's what you get with basketball. And I think people are you know shitting on basketball at the moment. Don't really get you know the point of it. It's more, it's more than the England team. You know, it's more, it's more like a movement. Honestly, you want a movement that you so, love seeing fail from an Australian perspective. Well, from an Australian perspective, but it's also a movement that I think should catch on. I think if you look at the England team and where the majority of these players were, you know, two three years ago, it was absolutely catastrophic. I mean, they were awful. Um, and blocking out every game. Well, it was just awful. But now, you know, Brendan McCollum's come in playing basketball and, you know, we're scoring five runs and over. It's ridiculous. But it's also so entertaining. There's always a chance for a wicket. There's always a chance for a four or a six. It's so entertaining. It takes out the draw aspect of a game. I mean, we got washed out. How many, how many days? I mean, must have missed probably at least five sessions um in the days but and usually if that's if that's india australia i mean the, the series is drawn by the fourth day if that happens but because of basketball because you know we're playing so much so much quicker i think it you know it massively improved you know the spectacle and it made the draw seem irrelevant and nobody wants to draw um you play to win and i think that's you know the, the aim of basketball and I, I rated the I rated the test and even though, even though we lost I was happy with the performance that we put in we probably were the better team throughout the test um and really should have gotten a wicket uh that one of those two wickets or at least two wickets in the last fifty runs or so but you know Lyon and Cummins put in a great performance Kawaj just saved you you know but that's what you love about test cricket you know you get those players that step up. Um, and win tests for you, and mm. and uh, it was a great spectacle to watch. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously England probably they are very attacking, but then you can look back at oh, they declared in their first innings for three ninety or whatever they were on, and then you go oh, mm. if they get another 21, 20, 30 runs there, they probably win the match. So you know, it's a double edged sword well, the yeah, way they're playing. I don't think it. You, you can say that, but I don't think we lost because of that. I think. You, I think the bowling was not good enough, uh, from England's perspective in terms of getting out. Um, yeah, the fact that they have Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad, I feel like have been bowling since I was in the womb, and they're still going. So, I yeah, mean, they, they have been. Yeah, and like they're, they literally have been. Yeah, and for how skilled they are, they're not. And same with Ollie Robertson. Jesus, he's he basically bowls half trackers as a fast bowler. But I mean, they're yeah, they're not. Awesome, yeah. They're not like fast, fast bowlers. They're more skilled bowlers. And because no. the wicket, the pitch yeah. was so dead, there was no movement. So it was hard for them to do anything. Well, yeah. Well, that was an advantage Australia. I think your pace really helped you out mm. in that um, in that test. And I think um, I think if, the, if a track does more in English conditions, Jimmy Anderson is king. And I think, I think that even though the, the pitch maybe brought out more batting, and brought out, you know, the Kawajas, you know, big scores and the Joe Root big score, you know, even though it brought out that, I think it really sort of took away from the fact that we need, you know, an English pitch to be moving, um, to, to be able to get Australia out for a low score. So 
I could see the pros and the negatives of that, you know, sort of dead track. But look, I think we do need to switch up Ali Robinson. I think he's picked simply because he's a really capable batter as well. I think that's probably what was going into consideration. But you've already got plenty of batting. I think if you pick Bear Stoke, um, Stokes, you know, Harry Brook, you've got Root there, you've got, you know, Ollie Pope. In, I mean, Zach Crawley's awful, but you, well, know, you still got England, Zach Crawley. In. Yeah, England's batting is misleading, where they put their shit batters at the top of the order, which is, which is you know, it's not it's not normal to see that. But, I mean, Ben Duckett, this guy, I've, I've watched this guy in the Big Bash. He's trash, and somehow he's playing for England in a test. Um, Zach well, Crawley. No, he's been unbelievable, though, leading up okay. to it. He was, uh, what, he scored like one century? Well, no, he plays basketball. He doesn't, I think he has, he's left, what is it? I think he's left like eight balls his entire, for the past like three tests. Like that is ridiculous. I think he's left. I think I that's what you call a like... flash in the pan. Um, so no, he's, if a he's, very, if he's still playing test match cricket in five years. I'll, I'll, I'll take my words back, but until then. Oh, wow. That's a big, that's a big ask. Um, but yeah, I think, I, I think you're underestimating Ben Duckett. He's been very good, but Zach Crawley is awful. Um, and that that's probably the main thing that I worry about with our batting. Um, our openers are terrible. Um, in terms of the fact that you know you can always get a two for you can get a two for twenty, like that happened in this test. You know, if they that, that's probably another reason why we lost that sort of session where it was rain, then we had about ten minutes and then rain. Um, if they don't get two wickets, if Australia doesn't get two wickets in that sort of span, I think it sets up the next day for us. Um, and I think we do a lot better. So we get a bigger total in that second inning. So I think that was probably the, a, a key driving factor as well. Um, but yeah, I look, I'm excited for the, when is it? Is it, what day is it for you over there, the next test? Uh, I think it's Wednesday. Wednesday. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was like, it's a reasonably long layoff. I think it was a seven day layoff or something. Which is reasonably yeah. long. Um, shout out to Stuart Broad as well. I mean, the, uh, taking David Warner's wicket again. I think he's uh, taken everything except his uh, wife at this point from David Warner. He's got him out that many times. It's uh, it's a little bit embarrassing. That's yeah. next day. Um, but yeah, Stuart Broad has David Warner. It's just so great to see um, <laughs> the banter between them. And look, I'm looking forward to the next test and hopefully England, you know, pulls through. And I think baseball gives us the opportunity to do that. I think baseball mm. is looking good so far. It's looking good, but it's not looking victorious. So, I mean, it's a big recovery now because England have to win the series. So they have to win three out of the next four tests, which is a massive ask. So Australia definitely in the driving seat at this point um, to at least retain, if not win the series. Hey, but why is that? Can mm. we just win the next? Can we just, if it, if there's another, if there's draws, you know, can't England just win two? If it can't, they just not. Oh yeah, I guess win? if if there's draws, yeah, but well, it's unlikely. I wouldn't say there's draws. draws because of play, but maybe draws because of weather. Um, even though it's nice and sunny in England at the moment, it's beautiful actually. It's uh, mm. you know, I think I, I was on the beach. Look, if you can see, I got a tan. You know, it was uh, I went you know paddleboarding. It, it was thirty paddle degrees. Boarding. It was lovely. It was lovely. Wow. I mean, I don't know, you know. What everyone else is doing in Australia, you need to come to England. That's where the good weather's at. It's I don't cold know. It's, it's a bit chilly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to you know the next test and hopefully Rooty carries us through and Stokes. Hopefully, we get more input from 
Stokes and Bairstow, I think they need to probably improve their batting a bit more um, and really sort of make that middle order the best in the world like it should be. All right, so moving on from Ashes, I think we can leave that there. Shifting gears, the NBA mm. is obviously in the off-season at the moment. Um, it's been an eventful off-season, though. It starts the off-season. Obviously, free agency hasn't begun yet, which will um, have, probably see a lot of movement. It's shaping up to be one of those off-seasons where everyone's just like, I want to move house pretty much. So, But there's been a couple of big trades that we'll get to um, that have started already. I guess the first one that happened that started this sort of trade frenzy was Bradley Beal being traded to the Suns. Um, so what are your thoughts on a new big three in Phoenix with Booker and KD? Do you think this makes well, them a contender or? Well, look, I think people are hating on it. Um, and a lot of people are hating on it. And look, I don't love the trade from either perspective. But if, I, but if I'm them, I mean, I'm looking at it like, what else could they have done? Is Chris Paul going to put... I mean, Chris Paul is declining rapidly at this stage in his career. I mean, the only option that you had was to try and make a big-time trade. Um, and Bradley Bill as an asset um, and a, as a player is probably the best you're going to do with what they... I mean, they gave up nothing. Absolutely nothing. Um, they had no salary cap to sign any free agents. Um, so look, people are hating on it um, and saying, look, there's only one ball, you know, it never, it'll never fit. You know, there's too many shooters on that team. There's not enough defense, but you know, you've got to see what they've got in store. I don't love what their new owner's doing. I mean, he's kind of doing a fire sale. Um, He sacked their head coach, you know, he is sort of changed around a lot of the organization when I think he was headed in the right direction. So I don't know. I think the Kevin Durant traders put a clock on their, sort of championship window, which is not great. Um, and I think they need to sort of win now, essentially. So I think Bradley Beal, seeing what he could do with other superstars, is going to be interesting because even when he was with John Wall last, I know he was a lot younger, but when he was with a prime John Wall, he wasn't the greatest. I mean, the Wizards were even contemplating extending him when um, John Wall was a superstar in Washington. So I don't, I don't know how he will fit. Uh, but then again, Chris Paul and Landry Shamet, I mean, they're not going to fucking win you any game. So mm. I, I think the big key for Phoenix is whether or not they can get value out of DeAndre Ayton and what type of value they can get. Um, I think if they can get a... I, I don't know what I could say what, what, or like a potential player that could be good. But maybe a, you know... A solid big along with you know depth in the wings i think that's the ideal thing for phoenix at this point well i think they need a point guard well i think cameron Payne can fit that role and i don't think in the playoffs i think denver proved you need some big lineups and i think bradley beal and Dem devin booker are gonna have to play at the same time because they're too small but they, they um, play the exact same position like neither of them are, are a point guard really well, that one of them's going to have to be. Probably going to be Devin Booker. But he's not Which, He's not really a creator. I mean, he's a shot creator for himself, but he's you not. Can't a... have a, you can't have a, a six foot three guy with Bradley Beal and Devin Booker. Devin Booker is six five four, and Bradley Beal is six four, six three. You know, they're not tall players. They You cannot have that low size 
um, and look, you maybe could get a big point guard. Maybe you could get, I don't know, who would be available, but, you know, maybe a bigger star point guard, maybe get Alonzo. I know he's going to be injured, but, you know, that type of profile of a point guard, maybe. Mm-hmm. But you'll you'll have to see uh, for Phoenix, from Phoenix's perspective. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's I didn't tough. hate it on Phoenix's side. Mm, I, I mean, it's tough because they obviously they do have a window now. Kevin Durant... I mean, Chris Paul's obviously clearly declining, but Kevin Durant, to me at least, he is slightly declining. He's not as good as he was. 2018, he's definitely not that good anymore. Um, you saw that in the playoffs. He was not great against Denver. Um, and even the year before that against Boston, I think when they got swept, he was awful. So a couple years in a row, he's looked, it looked shaky in the playoffs. Um, but they obviously have to go all in when you have a talent like Kevin Durant on your team. So, But I, I think they have, between Durant, um, Booker, Beal, and Aiden, they have like $160 million in guaranteed salary or something between four players, which is absolutely mm-hmm. crazy. Um, and that I think they only have like two other contracted players, so they need to get depth any way they can, really. It'll be hard for them to get good depth because they're obviously not going to have a lot of uh, cap space. Um, but I don't know. We'll see how they go. I wouldn't be confident in saying they're going to win the West. I mean, Denver, I think, are clearing away ahead of everyone else in the oh, West, yeah. at least. I saw Kenrick Perkins had, like, a Phoenix being the number one team in the NBA. Oh, my God. <laughs> no way. Um, but, yeah, I again, I think it's something to you. It's just they're not contenders, but or, like, the number one contender, but it's a move that, you know, improves their chances, probably. Yeah, well, at least there's a Bradley Beal's kind of injury prone as well, but there's at least a slight chance he'll be available in the playoffs. I mean, with Chris Paul, you can rule it out entirely. There's no yeah. chance he's going to be available. So, well, Bradley Beal hasn't been in the playoffs for like seven years, but yeah, no, but yeah, I mean, we'll we, see how we, we go. Really we'll see how he goes. Um, and then so after this trade, um, the next trade that happened was Porzingis. Uh, so Washington officially were like, "Fuck it, uh, we are doing absolutely nothing here. So let's blow it completely up." Porzingis has gone to Boston. Yes, he's gone to Boston for Marcus Smart going to the Grizzlies and Tyus Jones going to the Wizards. So it's a three-team deal. Interesting thing with this was the deal originally went through earlier with Malcolm Brogdon going to the Clippers, which would have been a great deal for the Clippers, but they obviously shit the bed and were like, oh, his elbow's still a bit fucked. I don't know if we want to do it. Um so, yeah, I mean, that would have been a great deal for the Clippers, getting a sixth man of the year in Malcolm Brogdon. Um, but obviously, they've they've got come away with nothing there. Um, Porzingis, a lot of people are saying Boston are now favorites with Porzingis, even though he hasn't been uh, that great. I mean, since his all-star year in New York, he's been largely criticized for not reaching his potential. But, I mean, last year he was solid, albeit on a shit team. So, he, he's going to be the third option in Boston. Um, I'm sure they'll get frustrated by him jacking up threes all game, but if if he plays well, they it definitely improves their team. That's for sure. Yeah, I think. Look, the original trade. I think when I first saw it, I was like, "Oh shit, Malcolm Brogdon for Marcus Morris, yeah. sign me up." <laughs> um, but I think even though I want to get rid of Marcus Morris desperately, I think I thought the you were Malcolm the biggest Morris, Marcus Morris fan. I've been listening. I was three years ago. You're saying this this guy's amazing. No, three years ago when he was good, yeah. But now he is dreadful. Um, but look, 
Malcolm Brogdon, I think his injury problems are serious, though. I think, look, if a clip, if the Clippers are giving up on you because of injury problems, you've got injury well, problems. That, that, uh, that fits the bill for them. I thought they don't sign players without injury problems. Yeah, well, it, clearly this injury problem is going to be career-ending. So I think I think the elbow is a lot serious and people sort of are discussing, you know, in the media. I think it's very serious. I think he's probably going to be out for an extended period of time. Um, and even even when he's back, I don't think he's going to be back to where he was. Um, so I think it's a bad, bad injury. So I can understand the trade not going through for the Clippers on that point. I would have liked to see them pivot to another player on Boston, maybe, a, I don't know, get an Al Horford or get, you know, you know, get, you know, a decent player um, for Marcus Morris. But it is what it is. You can't, you know, you got to live with it sometimes. But yeah, I think that trade wasn't the best if I'm the Grizzlies. I don't rate Marcus Smart. I think even though he's a fantastic Boston Celtic, I don't think he can play for another team. Um, it's just now, obviously, but Bob, he does kind of fit that Grizzlies mantra mantra of being like a you know hard I know, worker. But he is such a Celtic. He is such. He's been ingrained in that organization for several years. I think it's tragic that they they traded him in the first place for Porzingis. Um, you're getting rid of your cultural icon in that locker room, the guy that's going to drive your players um, and your young players who. Lack leadership. I mean, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown aren't exactly a beacon for you know leadership over there. So I think Marcus Smart getting rid of him for Porzingis. Look, Porzingis is a much better player, but I think Marcus Smart what he brings to that locker room is a big impact. Um, now on the court for the Grizzlies, I don't think he's that great personally. I think he's mm. you know he doesn't shoot efficiently. His defense is good, but it's limited to smaller guards. Um, is it, so you're, or, you're at least coming off the bench, I guess. Yeah, you're not going to be starting in with Jar, or you could do. Well, but... he's not going to start over Bane. Oh, I think he could do. Um, or maybe they shift Bane out to the three. Um, and obviously Dylan Brooks is not going to be there anymore. So you could probably do a small lineup over there. But I don't know. I don't love the trade for the Grizzlies. I like it. For the Wizards, obviously, um, getting rid of those players, they needed to do it. They need a rebuild. Um, they need to build through the draft. They don't have any good young talent, really. Uh, Denny of Dia is that is that your best? I mean, they lost really young talent. Kawhi two point oh. Oh yeah, Kawhi do you? Um, but yet they just haven't drafted well in recent years. To be fair, they've been in the sort of ninth, tenth pick sort of area for the for that period of time as well, but. They need to get in the top three. They need a, you know, a piece that they can build around for the long term. And I think they realize that and good on them. So I don't mind the trades, even though they got zero value for Beal. I think getting off his contract and getting off that headache of that no trade clause um, is smart by the by the front office. Um, but yeah, Porzingis, look, Porzingis does add talent to Boston. I think it adds a big lineup. That can rival Milwaukee. Um, they can, you know, sort of now. Even though they lost to the Heat, which are not a big lineup, um, I think it does sort of rival a lot of those big teams in the East, which is solid. However, last time Kristaps Porzingis was in a winning situation, he was in Dallas. 
Dallas traded him because he was not a good enough second fiddle or third fiddle. Um, or he wasn't, he just wasn't good enough in the playoffs. Um, and I watched it firsthand against the Clippers. He was not good enough. We won the series because he was bad. Luca carried them against the Clippers multiple times. And if Porzingis was better, or even to his regular season standard, we would have, we would have lost those series. Um, so I think that that's, that should be something that Boston should you know take warning of. He was far too hesitant. He chucks up threes. Now that is their system, chucking up threes. But he didn't do it efficiently, and he is also seven foot tall, so he needs to be in the post. I don't love the trade for the Celtics, but it's not bad. It could be worse. You're getting a big body that can block shots that they don't have currently. Other than Al Horford, who's about well, Rob Williams is pretty years good. Up. Well, yeah, they got Robert Williams as well. Sorry, I forgot about him. But I don't, again, I don't know how he fits with Robert. It's a tricky one. It's a very tricky one. But I think they felt like they needed to make a move. Um, and obviously, if you get stopped in the Eastern Conference Finals seven years in a row. You're gonna need to make a move, so yeah, I think it's an interesting situation. It's an interesting trade. I don't think there's any major winners from any of the any person or any anybody in that three-person trade, but mm. it's not bad for more parties. Yeah. Um, okay, and then the final sort of big trade that's happened is uh, obviously Chris Paul did originally go to the Wizards in that Bradley Beal trade. They then were like. Ain't no way you're you're putting on a Wizards uniform. Uh, you can get out of here, mate. They've sent him to Golden State for Jordan Poole, who who kind of like low key requested a trade, obviously because Draymond Green uh, assaulted him last year. So he was like, yeah, "I want out of here," which is fair enough. Um, so yeah, I mean, Golden State got off that massive contract that, based off last year, didn't look like a great contract because Jordan Poole was. Very shit last year, especially in the playoffs. Um, but Chris Paul to the Warriors, I mean, I haven't, I just can't see it working to be honest. Like Clay's gonna have to play three. Steph's gonna have to play two. I mean, I don't know. Oh. I I think he'll be more in their second unit. I think it will be more um, when Steph's on a breather or what's so like know, three minutes. Well, and also they'll probably play them together. But I, I mean. When Clay's rested as well, they'll be he'll probably get probably eighteen to twenty minutes a night. I don't think he's going to make, you know, starting minutes, but I think it's a terrible trade for the Warriors. I think it's an awful trade for the Warriors. What they gave up for a Chris Paul that is nowhere near Chris Paul of even three two three years ago. I mean, he was dreadful last year. Um, the Suns were nowhere near contenders because mainly because of his drop off. And I think you're betting on Chris Paul being the difference for you guys. Jordan Paul, yes, he had a bad year. And yes, he had an inefficient year. But in terms of talent levels at this point of their career, he's 20, what is he, 24? Maybe a bit older, 25, 26? He, he's not even in his prime any, any yet. You know, he two years ago when you won the chip, I think teams have too short of a memory. Two years ago when he won the championship, he was... Your key player, your difference maker. And I know obviously you have Steph as your best player, obviously, but he was the difference maker. He, arguably, he was your second best player. And I think you're just shipping him off and a first round pick. 
for Chris Paul. Uh, look, I know, and I probably, they obviously they did it because of the contract, but it's not like a awful contract. I mean, the guy's a solid player. It's not like Lonzo Ball, where the Bulls are stuck with a guy that can't get on the court. Well, I think I think he wanted out, so they they had to move him. Um, so I think it was a, it was a Surely bit of that. Find a team that wants him. Surely, no. I don't know. I mean, well, it was obviously like they Draymond. Let go. Why can't you just? But I think they want to well. keep Draymond. That's the thing. Why? He's crap. <laughs> they like him, obviously. Just the Warriors are just. I don't know what they're doing. It, they're, they're just they're sticking with this nucleus, and I get that the young players haven't worked out. I get that that experiment of sort of balancing the old generation and the new generation. Um, within the rotation didn't work. But you cannot just commit stupidly to the old guys because you're going to be stuck in a situation in three or four years' time where you've got nothing and no assets. You're trading away your picks and they traded away a 2030 pick. Like they didn't trade mm-hmm. away a pick from this year where they got, you know, maybe it's a 23rd pick overall. 2030, you never know where you're at. You could be, you know, the worst team in the NBA in you know seven years. Um, I thought it was an awful trade, absolutely dreadful, and it, it's just lack of care for the organization, in my opinion. If I know the GM left, yeah. but the current GM or whoever's made this trade, Steve Kerr, I don't know who made the trade, but you're you're so short sighted. I mean, it's like well, in seven years. If I don't have the job, I don't have the job. I just want to be good for seven years. You know, it's like... Well, it's not even seven. Like, this is Chris Paul's last year, probably, of his entire career, so... Well, I mean, I'm t- yeah, I'm more talking about the pick in general and the current direction of the team. I think it's probably the worst trade I've seen for a long time. Since Gobert. Uh, Gobert was bad, but also Gobert, you could see him making a positive impact to that team. Could you? You could see that that trade, you could see them gaining a couple wins. You cannot see the Warriors winning any more games because they traded um, Paul for for Paul. There's no way. Paul is all, mm. 10 times a player Paul is, is in his stage of his career and they gave away a first round pick that's seven years away that by that stage they could be a bad team. So, and that could be a very valuable pick. I I think this was a slam dunk trade by the Wizards. Um, I thought they would have to cut Paul. I thought they would have to cut him. And I thought the Clippers would have a genuine chance of getting him on the minimum. Um, yeah, well, he was he was going to be cut. But then, obviously, they, then the they traded like, for him. You know, hang, hang on a second. Hang on a second. We'll trade you a talented young player <laughs> who scored, who was like a six-man of the year, who was a very good player for us up until he got punched in the face and we'll give you a future first round pick. How does that sound? And they're like, uh, sure. <laughs> uh, sounds good, bro. Yeah. Well, your funeral. Uh, cool, dude. <laughs> yeah. So and, yeah, uh, the, Wizards, the Wizards turned a mediocre trade by get, with getting Chris Paul into an unbelievable trade. It, it was bizarre. Um. So yeah, they turned Bradley Beal into Jordan Poole in a first round pick. So 
Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad at all. Um, I love because Washington have zero players now. Obviously, Kuzma's a free agent as well. Probably not going to re-sign there. Um, I just I love the memes of um Jordan Poole in Washington next year, and he's just chucking up shots from like everywhere on the court, carrying and double dribbling yeah. every every single play. Um, well, so yeah, I think he's going to shine. I think he's a good player. Well, yeah, he's he'll very... put up the numbers because he's the only player on the team. But I think he's a good scorer. I think two years ago his value was astronomical. I think he was the, he was viewed as the future of the Golden State. I I just think one bad year should not kill you you as a value or as a prospect or whatever. Should not kill your value. And I think the Warriors themselves, I think, have killed his their value, his value. They've internally killed his value because of how they view him, because of obviously the fight with Draymond. I I think they killed the his, you know, his ability to be traded. Um, mm. or to be moved in case he needed to be traded. I, I just couldn't, I just couldn't believe it. It was a trade. I just couldn't believe. I thought at least, I thought the first round pick was on the other side. I thought, well, look, you're getting rid of, but you're getting a first round pick that could be valuable in the future. Yeah, blah blah blah. You want Chris Paul, okay? But they gave away the first round pick. I, I just couldn't believe it. It was a terrible trade. Um, I don't think we're going to see a worse one in the rest of the uh, free agency slash. So, slash uh, post-draft period. Mm, yes. Well, yeah, we'll see. I mean, who knows? Maybe Chris Paul can wind back the clock and be some sort of positive influence on the team, but uh, that remains to be seen. I oh, know. Yeah. Um, um, Paul George, I mean, he. I've seen him, the Clippers are shipping him around. Um, I think you're listening to offers. And look, yeah. I'd be listening to offers anyway, but I think they should be listening to offers. Now, I wouldn't accept anything less than anything then you know i wouldn't accept you know the knicks were linked i'm like i'm done yeah. if you i will, <laughs> I, will actually, I will officially quit being a clippers fan and we'll have to change the podcast name we'll have to change anything but i will quit being a clippers fan if we trade him for randall and barrett i will or randall or barrett i will quit i do not care there is no way that the knicks should be a potential trade suitor. Um, I just, I'm just looking at the trades that could possibly be done. I don't know. I think the only one that I'm kind of thinking could be a possibility because of how dumb the organization is, is a Timberwolves. Could Anthony <laughs> Edwards be on the table? No, there's, there's no way they would do could that. Could we get Ant-Man? Um, you might get Cat maybe. No way. I wouldn't take him. Um, I think Ant-Man. I think Cat would be the one pushing. Yeah, let's trade Anthony Edwards for Paul George. It could be the difference. I would do that trade. Uh, not going to lie to you. You see um, Cat's statement where he was like, when I'm done, people are going to remember oh, me for God. changing the league. It's like, bro, you're, you're almost 30, dude. Your career's nearly over. Yeah, bro, you didn't change shit. You You've were... done nothing. Yeah, you're you're only not a bust because you made one or two All Star teams. Um, you have literally the worst win percentage I've ever seen in my life. Um, yeah, but look, Funny I dude. think that. Yeah, so I think the Paul George Kawhi Leonard trades, I wouldn't love them, or the more the more realistic ones, I wouldn't love them for the fact that I still think if you know, you know, look, you can hit. You know, a broken clock is right twice a day, right? We could get some scenario where they're both healthy throughout the playoffs. That is a possibility. 
Um, really? And well, that possibility is better than a Randall and RJ Barrett back, you know, front court possibility. That is that I'd rather take that lucky that luck and rather than, you know, that those shit players. So I don't mind, you know, taking a gamble here. Um, I have resigned to the fact that it probably is not going to happen, but it's still a chance and it's a better chance than fucking RJ Barrett and Julius Randle carrying us to the glory, you know? So I don't, I don't love the trades for Paul George. I think Paul George is actually probably what the player I'd keep out of the two um, just because Kawhi Leonard is way more injury prone. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, obviously, once free agency starts, a, a lot of moves are going to happen. Damian Lillard, obviously, is in a lot of trade talks right now. But for like, it, it, it's, it's kind of like Brad Fittler. I mean, I just hate Damian Lillard until he requests a trade at this point. It's just infuriating me. Um, who else? I mean, the Heat, Bam Adebayo. Apparently, people have been wanting him, but the Heat don't want to hear it, which is fair enough. Yeah. But also, I'd, I'd trade him for Lillard if that came up. Well, uh, did you want to talk about the... NBA draft. We, we yeah, draft. Draft just happened. Um, what were your thoughts? Any surprise picks? Any? I mean, I think people were kind of mad that Scoot didn't go second, but... Well, look, firstly, I want to say Brandon Miller seems like a weird guy. Um, <laughs> he is... If saying Paul George is the GOAT is... I, yeah. I like Paul... I like Mr. Paul <laughs> George, but I don't think... I think he's up there quite yet. Um but again, I may be, you know, quoting him when we win the championship next season um, with Paul George winning the finals MVP. But look, I think that, I think that the, the main thing that sort of pushed Scoot over the edge for me and a lot of other, you know, witnesses was the workout videos. You watched him work out in Portland and you watched him with that body just stroke down with, a, even though he wasn't great, that efficient, um, for mid-range and three in the G League. You looked at the form. You looked at the body. You looked at the athleticism. You're like, damn, that guy's going to be good. You're like, if I, if my team's drafting him, I'm like, geez, uh, he's going to be a fucking good player. You know, when I'm, I obviously am an NFL, obviously Oscar is an NFL fan. But when you watch the NFL draft, it's obviously a lot more extensive, a lot more picks. There's players within those with that draft that you're like, oh, I've got a man crush on him. He's a man crush because mm. just you love like the athlete. You love he's just a, you know, he can fucking hit people. He runs like a gazelle. He's just you know, he's just he's attractive. He, that's, that's a bit of me. That's a bit of me. That player. I would love that guy on my team. And I think Scoot's very similar. And I think a lot of Hornets fans, even though they've got Lamelo, and it wouldn't be the best fit because Lamelo needs someone to pass to. Um, he probably just needs someone hogging the ball. Um, even though it's not the best fit, I think they looked at Scoot in that draft sort of process period, and they thought, thought, you know what, he we could it could be a situation where we're passing on a generational talent, and we're passing on a you know a perennial all star and MVP candidate, and I tend to agree. And look, I think they're thinking of their future. I think they think Lamelo is their future, and they need a guy that can, um sort of fill out the wings and be a sort of catch and shoot and be a driver to the basket. And look, Brandon Miller's a great, a really good prospect. He was a top three lock. The top three was locked in no matter what. And I think his ability to get to the basket as well as 
you know, hit threes on a consistent basis does help them immediately. Um, and it does give them something that they haven't had for a very long time. Now, the Paul George comparisons, not great in my opinion. I don't think his ability to create is as good as Paul George. I think Paul George is bar none in that. So I wouldn't compare him to Paul George right now. But I think Brandon Miller was probably picked because of the NBA's obsession with the prototypical NBA body. That you want the six nine athletic guy that can play multiple positions, that can you know run run like a, like Scoot, obviously run like a gazelle, and can run up and down the court very easily. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it was weird. Are, that, it was yeah. weird that um apparently MJ had the final say on on the pick, which is kind of strange considering he's uh, obviously selling the team. So I don't know why he would have got the choice on that, but you know. Well, I think Mike was like. After, you know, Brandon Miller made those disgusting, you know, opinions about, you know, Paul George being the goat and Michael Jordan wasn't good and all that. I think Michael Jordan was like, hang on, let me pick up this phone to this young fella. We're going to do a one-on-one in practice every day to make sure you know who the goat is. I think it was more of an ego thing. It was like, I'm going to show this fucking, he's going to bully this guy like he did to, what's his name? Um, When he drafted the... The bust in two thousand one. <laughs> what was his uh, name? Kwame. Kwame Brown. Yeah. It was like when he drafted Kwame and he bullied him up and down the court. I think it's going to be something similar. Um, and I think it was sort of like a last ego trip. Like, oh, I'm going to sell this team in, you know, a year or so or six months. But training camp for you, son, is going to be fucking hell. Um. So, yeah, I think he was – no, I'm joking. I think Mike probably was convinced by his GM and his scouts that the right move was to sort of switch it up and, you know, make him pick a bigger player. But I think Scoot, mm. his ability, his talent was, you know, by far yeah. the best in this class. And some people had him rivaling Wembenyama in terms of, look, if Wembenyama probably will have injury concerns, Scoot doesn't at this point in his career. I'd be tempted to take Scoot over Weminyama. Now, Weminyama has mm. the highest ceiling I've ever seen in an NBA draft prospect. So it's pretty ridiculous to draft anyone over him. But the consideration to take Scoot, number one, in any other draft class would not be unfounded. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like Portland obviously didn't have a concern about the positional thing. I mean, they've already got, if they keep Damian Lillard, they've got Damian Lillard. Arguably yeah, the best the, point guard in the league, and Simons already, who's meant to be their their future. So yeah, they well, yeah, the fifth of them isn't great either. But again, yeah. you're not taking fucking Asil Thompson or Eamon Thompson over, um, you know, Scoot Henderson. So it, it, I don't mind. They had to pick him, and it was a great pick for them. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with obviously the rest of the picks. I don't know if anyone stood out. Ooh. Obviously, everyone was raging about the uh the Twins going four and five. So well, good on the interesting them. thing about the Twins is they didn't play college. They played in a very shit league. It was like the one, I forgot what it's called. It's like this shitty, like, you know how Lamelo played in his dad's, you know, league that he created when he was like 17. It's It was similar to that. It was an absolute right. shit of a little, little league that they played high school. They, I think they played Bronny. I think they yeah, literally I did played that. Yeah. Canyon. It was a terrible league. They were literally just jogging up and down the court, just taking the piss. 
Now they were picked because there was such talents coming out of high school and they're very talented players. Um, so they are a risk for the, for the respected teams. But again, the rest of the draft class wasn't that great outside of those, outside of the, tw- I actually think, I can't remember which one, but one of them was, I think, I think it might've been Eamon that was better than, was probably the, the standout guy who was more highly respected. And the other guy, the, way, the guy that went to the Rockets what, mm. was maybe a bit of a surprise pick. I think he was expected to go maybe eight to 10 period, but look, I don't, I don't hate those picks. I think the main sort of slide in the draft was Cam Whitmore. He went 28th to the Rockets. Um, He was again, highly touted out of coming out of high school was projected to be a top eight pick, um, but ended up going 20, which was a bit of a surprise, but look, I think the main pick that we were all looking forward to was uh What's his name? Dicky or whatever his name. The West uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's Grady a, Dick. He's a, yeah, Grady Dick. What a what a name that guy. I mean, that's probably going to be top 10. I'd say top 10 best-selling jerseys. I, I mean, mean, surely. It could be, yeah. Everyone likes surely, it. Surely, it's got to be. Likes, everyone, who wouldn't uh, want I'd Dick on their back? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely want that. And I think if, I, if he was a Clippers player, I would get that all day long. So, yeah, I think... Uh, it was an interesting sort of draft. I didn't, I wasn't able to watch it because it was so early in the morning over here, but I did sort of watch the re every pick. And yeah, it's interesting. I didn't, I hated that the Spurs got the number one pick. I totally <laughs> hated it. I think a lot of people loved it because it's like, oh, Spurs culture. I'm like, this is so fucking rigged. Right. Yeah, it's rigged. How's it rigged? Because what are the chances you get every generational big man ever drafted apart from Shaq? What are the chances? I don't know. You get the number one pick every time there's a generational big man. It's been like 30 years since they last got the number one pick. No. Yeah, but they so happen to get it when the fucking best prospect you've ever seen comes along. The NBA just wants the Spurs to be good. That's just it. Okay, but by the by, ignoring that, the Spurs are a boring organization that no one wants to see do well. I, I just want to put that out there. No one cares about the Spurs. So, and when they were winning, the NBA was boring. So let's be real. We we do not care that they got Wembenyama. And I'm going to get, well, it's probably an unpopular opinion, but I would much prefer him to see him in Charlotte, him in Portland. I think that'd be much more interesting. Um, and Kim go to a team that can win right away. And look, Win right away is a it's a difficult term because obviously if he goes to the Hornets, it's not winning the championship. But at least they'd probably compete for a play-in spot with him there or maybe be in the play-in spot or in the playoffs. But, I mean, at the Spurs, who the hell thinks they're going to do any good? Look at their team. Their second-best player You got is, Dennis Rodman, 2.0. got Dennis Rodman, 2.0. They've got Keldon Johnson. They've got Devin Vassell. I, if you went to South America or Africa and you asked a random, a thousand random people on the street, could you name two, could you name one Spurs player outside of Victor Wembanyama? Do you think any of them could do it? What, South America? In South America, Africa, I mean, you know, Asia. I'm sure they wouldn't know a lot of NBA players. Well, Asia, you go Asia, Europe, you go anywhere outside of America. And Australia probably, and you ask a thousand people on the street, even if you go to Australia or America, you go anywhere, 
You ask a thousand people on the street, how many do you reckon could name two Spurs players? Um, yeah, probably. I don't know, not many, probably. I'd say zero. A big fat zero. No, some um, good. Okay, if you luckily run into you know a Spurs player, maybe you can maybe find one. Right. But um, no, no one cares about them at all. So it's just it's just annoying that he went there. But look, that's by the by. But yeah, I, I enjoyed the NBA draft. It was a good sort of um thing to watch back and hopefully that these kids pan out. It's so weird to see people younger than you be so much richer than you, but it is what it is. Uh you live and you learn. You live and you learn. That's right. Um, yeah, well that that's looks like a good episode. We've only got three minutes left on the clock here before we get our uh, timed out because I'm not paying for Zoom. So that that'll be yep. the end of that. If someone wants to fund our Zoom. They're more than welcome to. Yeah, it's um, like surprising. I promise that it'd be used on Zoom, but it'd be used on uh, something on more Zoom. valuable than that. On mental Probably Zoom. Slaps, but it is what it is. Um, mm. So, yeah. Zoom uh, also you could sponsor us. Yeah, sponsor us, dude. Uh, Man United is actually our new sponsor. So, see, get the badge in, get the crest in. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I actually got this recently. Um, in oh, did directing you? With the right. Very nice jumper. Shout out. Um, yeah. Shout out Sports Direct, new sponsor as well. Yeah, Sports Direct. No one knows about them in Australia or anywhere else, but they're in the is, UK. Is it Pro Direct? I, knew, I know about Pro Direct. No, Sports is Direct different? is a, it's like Rebel Sport. Um, oh, right. Anyway, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Um, we had a great time discussing it. Um, leave a like, follow, um, and hope you enjoyed. And uh, yeah, Joe, any passing words to say, my friend? Um, no. Everyone subscribe and um, start yeah, the uh, sack Freddie movement. Let's just let's keep it going. Make sure everybody knows. I think everyone does know. I don't think that's a problem. I needed, think more the problem is the selectors and the New South Wales, whatever. Is it a board? Yeah, the board, whatever they are. Who cares? Get rid of the uh, lot of them. But yeah, hopefully he gets sacked before game three. Unlikely, but yeah, hopefully by the time we do the next podcast, he's sacked. Yeah. So anyways, um, hope you enjoyed and... Uh, Leave a like. See you later. Peace.